0: I'm Richard Sherman, and you're listening to my Audible original, The League. Equal parts history, social commentary, and entertainment. We'll focus on some of football's most unlikely, inspiring, and unbelievable stories. Be sure to check out this title and other great storytelling at audible.com. One of the greatest gifts... From the game of football is that it is giving fans from different regions and loyalties a reason to communicate with one another.
1: Okay, here we go. Yeah, so
0: which is why, on just about every weekday in the fall, from the neighborhood barbershops to the local bars to the water cooler at the office, football fans are talking. Oh, 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 oh. Who has your moment oh, in oh. the sun! Now, this talking may get loud at times. But for pundits and fans alike, talking about football may be one of the best things about it.
1: Who's more of a football player, right? <laughs> oh. I'd like to know That's who is more of a football player.
0: But of all the most heated debates about the game, it's history. The missed calls. Didn't they try to change it before? The catches that weren't. Both feet on the ground, in the end zone. That's a touchdown. Even the uniforms. There is one debate that seems to be talked about almost every football season. Could the best college football team beat the worst NFL team? And so we asked the question to some of football's brightest minds, including former players, front office execs, a football analytics guru, sports handicappers, and even an Ivy League professor, hoping to have a conversation. And we got one. A very loud one. This is... Is the lead. Audible Originals presents a Joy Road Entertainment production. I'm your host, Richard Sherman. For most NFL pundits and hardcore fans, the mere suggestion that a college team could even compete with a professional one is heresy, says ESPN analyst and former Super Bowl winner with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ryan Clark. Nope, absolutely not. And here's what's crazy. You know, you look at Alabama and some
2: of these teams and you realize, like, how many eventual pros those teams have, right? You realize how many from the starting 11 at that time go to the NFL. And you're like, oh my gosh, this team's to beat them. But you have to realize... Everybody on the 53-man roster of the worst team in the NFL is a pro,
3: period.
0: Like, you don't have to question it. You're not prognosticating. You're not predicting. They're all pros. As four-time first-team All-Pro Jared Allen. Short answer, no. Could it be a game for a minute or two? Yes, but there's a dynamic that shifts when
2: you're talking about an age bracket of 18 to 22 in college, right? Right. You're talking about an age bracket of 22 to possibly 35. That is a level of grown madness that you just can't coach.
0: But there is a small but vociferous contingency in the ranks of the NFL that do believe that a great college team wouldn't merely compete with their professional counterparts. They would beat them says Bill Tobin, respected former GM from the Bears and the Colts, with over 50 years of NFL experience.
2: I think it would be an excellent opportunity for the college teams to show what they're all about. Certainly the worst pro teams lack the talent, but they also lack the coaching and they lack the discipline. And the very best college teams certainly have the coaching necessary, the players necessary.
0: And I think the college teams would end up winning easily, maybe. Hall of Famer Terrell Owens and former player Matt Hatchett, host of the popular podcast, Get Your Popcorn Ready, are split.
2: I think the potential
0: of college
2: football players, the key word is potential. They're young, they're 18, 19. They might be superstars versus other 18, 19 year olds, but to go up against the top notch NFL players, I think that's far-fetched. I think just from the standpoint of us even talking about this, it says it all in itself. Because you talk about the NFL and just football in general is predicated on speed. When you think about some of these Alabama teams and players, I'm not going to get into the specifics mm-hmm. of actual years of particular teams, but when you look at the way that Alabama players play, the way they are coached, dude, these guys look like pros already. OK,
0: how, how much you go back? That, that game was in Vegas. Bro, I'm all in. <laughs> While this argument seems to surface every season, there was a time where the league and college football actually tried to settle it on the field. In Chicago's Soldier Field, a shirt-sleeved crowd of 75,000 swelters through 80-degree weather to see the college All-Stars battle the pro-grid champion Baltimore Colts. It was called the Chicago Charities All-Star Game. Started in 1934, It featured a team of college All-Stars in a game against the reigning NFL champion. And in 42 games the two sides played, the college All-Stars won a respectable nine. But there were mitigating factors to the matchup. The game had been conceived as both a charity event and promotion for the pro game. And by the 1970s, sloppy play and risk of injury had reduced interest in the game to nothing. But soon after it ended in 1975, the argument resurfaced. And it has persisted ever since. The good news is, after years of furious debate, we here at the league have finally put an end to this argument. But while we were at it, we've created some new ones. By choosing a team from each side and having them play in a series of simulations created by some of the brightest minds in football, mathematics, and analytics. Here to explain is Ivy League professor Adi Weiner. So I'm a professor of statistics and data science at the
1: Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania. I have been there 23 years now, and we do a lot of research in sports analytics, applications
0: of statistics to sports problems. Professor Weiner is also an expert in probability models and statistics. You can't make a forecast without
1: having a mathematical framework for which you can apply probabilistic principles. Probability doesn't really exist in the world in the way you'd like to think it does. So if you tossed a coin or or rolled a die, it's very clear what I mean by the chance. What's the chance that a football team beats another football team Well, that doesn't have a clear mathematical meaning because that team is going to play that other team exactly once in that location at that time. And there isn't a mathematical method for even defining that or talking about that. Well, in order to do it, one of my expertise is on building probabilistic models, that problem that everybody wants to know an answer to. Like, for example, who wins an athletic competition for which you can't do what's called a repetitive framework. And so you need these models to generate good
0: answers and
1: make good predictions.
0: But before these models could be put to the test, we needed some teams. And for that task, we went to Pro Football Focus's Eric Eager.
3: Prior to PFF, I had a professorship at University of Wisconsin-Lacrosse. So I was a math professor. I worked on population dynamics and applied math and stuff like that. And then about halfway through my professor job, I ended up latching on with Pro Football Focus and I left academia Now I run research and development for PFF.
0: On the college side, Professor Eager had plenty of teams that could make a strong case for the best ever. Here to make a case for the top ones is sports journalist and creator of the award-winning podcast series, Whistleblower, Tim Livingston.
4: When it comes to the all-time best in college football, there's a lot of teams on the list. 2004 USC Trojans, 2005 Texas Longhorns, Any one of Nick Saban's teams, probably 2020 is the best one, but usually this debate ends with one team at the top, the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. The 2001 Canes were a wrecking crew. Both sides of the field packed with future NFL stars. Their defense allowed less than 10 points per game. They beat five top 15 opponents by a combined score of 236 to 72. 17 NFL draft picks on that team, That's still a record. But PFF didn't choose any of those teams. Instead, they chose the 2019 LSU Tigers.
2: We welcome back and honor the national champions of college football, your Fighting Tigers of LSU. So the
3: reason I picked 2019 LSU is they had great quarterback play. They had two wide receivers who have become NFL stars. If you go into a game with the Burrow and Chase and
0: Jefferson, they have a shot. And here to contest that is former Miami Hurricane three-time Pro Bowler and current Fox NFL analyst Jonathan Vilma. Why we would beat LSU. I won't even go to all the first-rounders we had, and I
2: love the way Joe Burrow played and Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, these guys are balling out. But could they run? Of course they could run. Were they fast? Of course they were fast. Were they athletic? Yes, definitely. Definitely. The difference is that we had nasty in us. We tried to blow everybody out. Like, we didn't just want to beat you. We wanted to embarrass you.
0: And now to start another argument for which team should represent the NFL's worst. And there are plenty of candidates for that as well.
4: Deciding on the worst pro team proved even more difficult. You had several different Cleveland teams to choose from. Early Tampa Bay, Peyton's first year in Indy. But ultimately, PFF deemed the woeful 2008 Detroit Lions as football's worst team in NFL history.
3: If you took the Detroit Lions team, especially at the end of the season, when they were at the dog days to being 0-16, I think that the characteristic of an NFL team that can't win any games is that they have some structural issues. And then, and then it just comes down to coaching as well, which if you look at that LSU Tiger team, Joe Brady had one of the best offensive coordinator seasons we've ever seen in college football, whereas that Detroit team had not very creative offensive or defensive minds calling players.
0: Unfortunately for Lions fans, a really strong argument can be made that their 2018 was the worst of all time. But what was stunning about the Lions' awfulness in 2008 is that the bar for terrible football with the Detroit Lions franchise had already been remarkably low. But because we've offended an entire fan base and for fear of reprisals from their current head coach, Dan Campbell, the Detroit Lions quarterback for the greater part of the 2008 season had been an All-American while in high school and one of the most heralded players ever to come out of the state of Connecticut. After setting records in pass completions, yards, and touchdowns while at UConn, he was drafted in the fifth round by the Lions in 2005. Today, Dan Orlowski is one of ESPN's most popular and knowledgeable commentators. I think I started nine games that year,
3: nine or 10 games, and we had the lead or tied for the lead in the fourth quarter, and I think eight of those nine. So that shows you, while going winless, in at least half of the games that we had, and also almost every game that I ended up starting in, that we had a chance to win every game. So, even to use that team shows you that that wasn't this team that just showed every week and it was just this walk over twenty one point win for somebody. You know, I think the main difference why would it be so unlikely to happen is. One, the physical strength difference between the pros and the college kids is still significant. Pros are still so much physically stronger at the line of scrimmage. I think the second thing is there's really no flaw in NFL rosters when it comes to in comparison to college. Like you can hide kids in college, even the best LSU
0: team. Adds my boy on the Thursday night football crew with Amazon Prime, Andrew Whitworth, who has a unique perspective. He played on both the national champion LSU Tigers in 2003, as well as a couple mediocre-at-best Cincinnati Bengals teams before winning a Super Bowl with the Los Angeles Rams in 2021.
3: I can understand the argument. I think there's some interesting matchups there, but I think the tough part would be, when you look at that offensive line for the Detroit Lions, Steven Peterman was also an LSU national champion, a great guard and great player in the SEC Jeff Bacchus, longtime legend, left tackle. LSU's D-line would get absolutely murdered by those guys. They wouldn't even be close. You know, There weren't a lot of splash great players on the LSU defense. The offense was unbelievable. You had the corner who's pretty good in singly, but he'd be covering Calvin Johnson. I think that some of those things can get interesting and fun because it's college, but when it comes to an NFL football team and those kind of guys, I think the real truth would be up front. They wouldn't stand a chance.
0: Now. With both teams set, before we continued with the analysts who will run the simulation, we went to the folks who may know even more than the number crunchers at PFF and UPenn. Handicappers. And here to give us their takes are two of Sports Betting's top consultants, Troy West of Troy Wins and Taylor Mathis at Superbook Sports. Thanks, Richard.
5: Thank you, Richard.
0: Yeah, this is sure a tough question. If you really dive deep into
4: the rosters, you look at the LSU roster, not just offensively, but defensively, this team had so many players go to the NFL. Defensively, you look at guys like Derek Stingley Jr., who's playing in the NFL, Patrick Queen, who's in the NFL. But look at offensively, Joe Burrow, Clyde edwards Air, Jamar Chase, Jefferson. This LSU team was just absolutely stacked, top to bottom You know, when I look at this, Taylor, you kind of think LSU would hang in the game a little bit. It comes down to the trenches, and could the LSU Tigers hang around offensive line, defensive line? I think that's the big argument here. So hard to believe the LSU Tigers would get run off the field, but... I would blame the Lions favored by around a touchdown.
5: I've got to agree with you for the most part. I think Ed Ogeron is the head coach his third year with the LSU Tigers. He has the upper hand. You've got guys like Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. I'm looking at some of these guys, they've already been to the Super Bowl. The Detroit Lions had the worst defense, the second worst defense in all of NFL history, giving up 517 points. That's absolutely terrible. I know the NFL is a different animal than college football is, but how would you not take the LSU Tigers? And I know that's crazy, but I'm going to go with the LSU Tigers in this position. I'm actually going to give the LSU Tigers minus three and a half.
0: Danny Sheridan, one of America's leading handicappers and sports analysts for the USA Today, thinks that is crazy.
2: Well, I'll make the line realistic. I remember the Detroit Lions winless. I don't know if they're the worst team ever in football. They certainly have the worst record. Uh, LSU Tigers, this 2019, some people say they were the best of all time. I don't know about that. The answer to your question is the NFL team would be a solid, and I love underdogs, the NFL team would be a solid 29-point favorite, at least four touchdowns over the best college team. And the reason's real simple. These are all pros on Detroit. I don't care how bad they are. These are pro athletes, every one of them. They may be lousy compared to the other NFL teams, but they're not lousy compared to a college team. The speed of the game between college and pro football is the difference between night and day. So any college team, the greatest team ever, against the worst team, NFL team would be, in my humble opinion, a 29-point underdog, and I would be all over the pro team. They would beat the living hell out of them. If you factor in the insults of playing the best college team, you'd need body bags, ambulances on the college team side the entire game. It would just be a slaughter. They would beat the living hell out of them.
0: Okay, okay, nobody's beating the hell out of anybody. This is just a simulation. As of note, the most important aspect of PFF simulation is based on what they call War.
3: Wins above replacement is basically how many win shares a player in the NFL would have over a practice squad player if playing the same amount of snaps. In college football, it's a little bit different, but there are adjustments you can make. But that's how we look at how valuable a player is. And so if you look at the roster of the Detroit Lions... 2008, let's say. How many wins above replacement did that roster have on it? And then you look at like a team like LSU in 2019, which I think in the PFF college era, which is 2014 to above, you look at that team and you want to be able to say, okay, this player was worth like 2.5 wins. What does that translate to the NFL? In most cases, it doesn't. The LSU Tigers, they had some really good players, but the majority of that roster didn't play in the NFL. And so you have to make some sort of projection. You have to make some sort of correction for those players. And ultimately, what it ended up being was a team that was about three and a half wins under replacement. If you just look at the depth of that team, that's players that will never see the NFL light of day. But if they did, they would be worth a negative value to a team. So much that it would probably overtake the positive value of the Joe Burroughs, the Jamar Chase, the Clyde Edwards, and Justin Jefferson, and so forth, NFL superstars. But having to play with, like, five offensive linemen that aren't an NFL caliber, that certainly hurts them. Additionally, on defense, if you don't have six defensive backs that you trust, an NFL quarterback is just going to pick you apart because they can choose who they throw against, by and large.
0: So, would the LSU Tigers have a chance? Someone that thinks so is one of the school's most celebrated alumni. He is a political consultant, media personality, and quintessential Louisianian. James Carville, also known as the Raging Cajun. There's a huge golf when you go from one level to the other. Anybody in horse racing understands that.
2: But a couple of things about the LSU team and the teams that play. Of the 22 people that started an LSU-Clemson game, 21 are playing in the NFL now, all Right? Think about that. 21 of the 22 players start a national title game or an NFL roster. It's not like they're just playing, they're thriving. Look at Borrow goes to the Super Bowl naturally, his first year in the NFL. And then you look at the number of people that they played that went NFL. So, of course, I'm gonna say that I think that LSU would have won, but I don't have a
3: lot of conviction the way that I like to look at these things is the NFL, every system is a weak link system except for quarterback, right? So the defensive backfield's a weak link system. The offensive line's a weak link system. I think that the NFL is far more skill position driven than it ever has been. And the LSU Tigers have that in spades. So the only way that you're going to win or even come close to winning if you are a college football team against an NFL team is if you score points
0: in a 2019 lsu team did score points 726 to be exact this is a single season record for the ncaa in the ap era lsu was also the only division one school in the history with a roster that included winners of the heisman trophy the maxwell award the Walter Camp Award, the Fred Belitnikoff Award, the Jim Thorpe Award, and the Associated Press Coach of the Year Award. Woo! But would that still be good enough against a professional team? Even a 2008 Detroit Lions one? (laughs) The Detroit Lions in 2008
3: were zero wins above replacement as a roster, so they were literally a team where there were some valuable players, but there were some really bad players on that team. The question that you have to ask relative to a Detroit team is how many defensive weaknesses they have, because they had a lot. It's really a tough projection because I think some of the truly bad teams in the NFL have some of the same characteristics that we would ask about some of the great teams in college football, namely the bottom barrel of your starters are not gonna be NFL players. But I think replacement level players in the NFL are very, very good players still.
0: But what also becomes a problem in the simulation is what those in analytics call transitivity.
3: Go back and look at the fact that Detroit had two one-score losses to the Vikings, who made their division that year, and they had a loss at home to the Vikings after leading in the fourth quarter. So transitivity would suggest that an LSU could compete with a real NFL team, and that's kind of what I'm trying to understand here is where, mathematically speaking, are we missing
1: things? If any things are missing, Professor Adi Weiner can find them. Transitivity means if A beats B and B beats C, then A could beat C. So if a great college team can beat the weakest professional team and the weakest professional team can beat a strong professional team, then it's not a stretch to imagine that the best college team can beat a playoff level team. You can't take this transitivity because the reason why a weak professional team beats a strong one is because the game has a lot of randomness and the difference in their skill is comparable to the level of randomness. But the differences in their skill is also size and maturity and knowledge between the professionals and the college is way, way bigger than the randomness in the game. And so if I had to put it in mathematical terminology, I would essentially say the difference between the best team and the worst team in professional sports is about probably four standard deviations. The difference between a professional team and a college team and when I say standard deviations and the randomness is due to the actually playing of the game, it's probably something like eight standard deviations, which would mean the, the gap is still incredibly far between the very best college team and the very worst
0: professional team. In the end, the NFL is a results-driven league. I've reflected on this issue fairly deeply for a long time.
1: And if you actually think about the framework, at a deep level, you realize that there's an enormous gap between professional sports teams and college sports teams. A professional team is orders of magnitude better than the absolute best college football team.
0: In the end result for this simulation, featuring one of the best college football teams of all time versus one of the worst professional teams of all time. Drum roll please.
4: If we run that simulation 100 times, how many games does LSU win out of 100? You're talking about three or four, not that many. In your estimation, mathematically, based on your research, we're looking at three or four wins out of 100. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think the high end. There you have it, 97 and three pros over college, which goes to prove that the old NFL adage is true. The pros play on Sunday. And now football fans can carry on with talking about other things, like why you should never pass on the goal line. Thank you for
5: listening. This has been an Audible Original, created by P.G. Kasheri. Produced by Audible Originals and Joy Road Entertainment. Neil Cabana, P.G. Kosheri. Matthew Hatchett and Jim Young Executive Producer Nick D'Angelo The production was designed, engineered and mixed by Neil Cabana Acquisition and Development John Kim and Sonia Kim Audible Legal Services Whitney Marshall Legal Services provided by Pierce Law Group David Albert Pierce and Carter Courtney Audible Head of U.S. Content Rachel Giazza Head of Audible Studios, Zola Mashariki. Joy Road Entertainment is P.G. Kusheri, Matthew Hatchett, Bobby Glanton-Smith, Tim Livingston, and Jim Young. Copyright 2022 by Joy Road Entertainment, LLC. Sound recording copyright 2022 by Audible Originals, LLC.
0: Special thanks go to... Jared Allen, James Carville, Ryan Clark, Eric Eager, Tim Livingston, Taylor Mathis, Dan Orlowski, Danny Sheridan, Bill Tobin, Jonathan Vilma, Troy West, Andrew Whitworth, and Adi Weiner.
6: Brent Adams, Gregory Emerson, Upton Bell, Tara Berman, Lily Bloom, Dan Borne, Julia Borsten, Nerea Cabana, CBS News, CBS Sports, Sharon Chang, Matt Simber, Stacey Clark, Renee Clift, John Colby, Critical Past, Mitch Eisenstein, ESPN, Lynn Farrow, Steve Guglielmi, Adam Harris, Lisa Heckman, Tarek Heitman, Paula Inesanto, Leanne James, Ali Keck, Tatiana Kelly, Rachel Kiwi, Susie Colbert, KPIX, Chantelle Krebs, Caitlin Livingston, Phil Maynes, Andre Morgan, Tom Mayanecht, Pat McAfee, Brent Musburger, NBC, Jaime Ochoa, Terrell Owens, Sean Parker, Periscope, Jeff Pomroy, Pond5, Paul Robinson, Alyssa Romano, Victor Rounds, Rick Spielman, Ira Stahlberger, Tim Sweeney, Patrick Toole, Sarah Van Kirk, Veritone. Derek Vollner, Elliot Wilson, Jamie McClellan, and Jennifer Yip.
0: This, this is The League.